Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Shirai and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Uh, today is really special, Arun. Juicy. Yes. Arun. <laughs> it's special. It's definitely special. Uh, feels right. It does. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our first guest, someone who um, I've actually been a, a fan of for a really long time. Uh, we never met until very, very recently, a few months ago, and I've always heard her name. I always heard of her work, um, but we just never got a formal introduction. And a few months ago, we got to meet and when we decided to put this podcast together, uh, it was uh, one of the first thoughts of my mind to ensure that Arun Shivdasani is here in attendance. So please give her a round of applause. She's the founder and now retired executive director of the Indo-American Arts Council. She spent a lifetime pushing arts and culture and she's did it at a time where we as South Asians didn't have as large of a voice. And at the time she did it 20 years ago, uh, she sort of set the groundwork for people that you see on this panel. Uh, she sort of set the tone for us. So, you know, now when you look around, you see a lot of brown faces in the arts, in media, uh, in music. Uh, you constantly see our people everywhere. But I think when Arun was doing it and when she started, there was very few faces and um, a lot of challenges with that. So thank you so much for being here. We also have a personal friend of ours, a artist, activist, and entrepreneur from Queens, New York, uh, Himanshu Heem Suri. Let's give him a big hand. <laughs> Heems is currently working at Spotify um, as a curator, and uh, he's an incredible artist, and you know we're gonna have a really good discussion with him here today. Next to Heems, a woman who needs no introduction. She is Miss Hina Patel. I need everyone to give her a big round of applause. She is, why are you looking at me like that, Hina? Hina is a boss in every way. She is the CEO and founder of Mela Arts Connect. Mela Arts Connect is an incredible organization that puts together many shows, not just uh, Desi Now for Out of Doors today, but she also is responsible for Bollywood Boulevard. She's responsible for Garba 360. Uh, and like many of us on this panel, like all of us actually on this panel, she spent a lifetime uh, pushing arts and culture. So it's going to be really exciting to hear her perspective and uh, listen to what she's got to say as well. We also have Archana Mishra, one of the founders of the cultural impact platform known as Product of Culture. Before starting the organization, Archana was a branding and public relations specialist. She is the former festival director of the Chicago South Asian Film Festival and sat on the board of the South Asian, uh, Chicago South Asian Arts, Co Arts Council, and she's also our friend as well. So give it up for Archana. I call her Archie, FYI. Can we call you Archie here today? Okay. Um, just to jump right into it, um, I want to start with Arun Shivdasani. Um, when you started um, your mission 
in 98. Um, where did you see the need at that time? And along with that, were there challenges and how was the reception to what you were doing by mainstream America, um, by all the places you went to start pushing and uh, letting the world know or letting New York know about our culture? I started in 98 because I, my DNA is arts and I looked around me and found nothing, nothing of India anywhere, whether it was uh, literature or art, dance, music, theater, film, nowhere did I see Indian artists. And it wasn't that we weren't there, Indian artists existed and were alive and well, but they were invisible. Nobody recognized them and they didn't have the platforms or the wherewithal or the support to get recognized. So along with two others, there's Jonathan Hollander of the Battery Dance Company and Talat Ansari, who's a, who's a lawyer who actually you know registered us and made us a 501c3. Uh, we formed the Indo-American Arts Council and then it was my job to make sure that it was a valid organization, passionate in our mission to showcase and build an awareness. When I say build an awareness, this is a ground up. America had no idea who we were or whether we even, whether we deserved a platform. So we had to show that. So I had to go knocking at doors, getting artists, and it wasn't, at that time, even our artists in the States were still developing. Uh, we had, uh, I joined, I worked with a friend of mine, John Eisner, at the Lark Theatre Company to form the Playwrights Festival. And our playwrights, whether they were Anuvav Pal or, or Rajiv uh, Chaudhary, not Chaudhary, Rajiv, what's his last name? Everyone knows it. He, Anyway, it'll come back to me. And uh, Asif Mandvi or, or Purna Jagannathan or all these people who've now become names. But they all started off with nobody knew their talent. And it was up to the Lark Theatre for their experts to help them along the way to do stage readings of their work, to get the public to recognize them. And this was bringing mainstream audiences. Our artists, our visual artists, they are spread across the country. But were they getting gallery representation? Absolutely not. So we do group shows every year just to give them a platform and move them month to month to different uh, art galleries around the country just so that different people would see them, hear them, see their work and recognize that this is somebody to, to that's valid and uh, uh, to be dealt with along with the rest of the people in the art world. Films, there were our independent films, the first year we did a film festival was immediately after uh, Mayor Giuliani asked all of us after 9-11 to uh, help a limping city get back on its feet. So we started a film festival. That film festival, we had 12 films and that too pulling teeth. It was awful to try and get independent filmmakers here in the States of Indian origin or South Asian origin, not necessarily Indian because we recognize India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, um, uh, 
uh, Nepal, Bhutan, Afghanistan. We're happy to recognize and include. We were very inclusive. Include all of them, but give them a platform. There were no Indians on television, on stage, on um, uh, in film, nowhere. But time, you had to do everything free because there was no money. And I used to literally beg my friends to bring their friends and bring their mainstream friends and go and talk to everyone I knew in, in uh, mainstream stages. I was lucky I had a few friends, like uh, that time Shashi was here, Shashi Tharoor. Uh, Shabana used to make a lot of visits. Shabana Azmi, Meera Naya, Salman Rushdie, Madhur Jafri. And they just, it wasn't that I was showcasing them. They didn't need showcasing. It was they would come and they would draw people from mainstream to come so that the other artists would get visibility. And you had to use many other methods. The challenges were mainly money and because, you know, and in those days there was no social media. It's unbelievable. But 21 years ago when I started this, social media was non-existent. And one needed to get the word out. How did you get the word out? By word of mouth, by advertising, by um, literally going to mainstream stream venues and making sure that all our events were in mainstream venues in Manhattan so that people who had those venues on their radar would say, what's happening here? Oh, this is something different. Let's check it out. And gradually they got visibility. Gradually, now I... Compared to what it was 21 years ago, it's an Indian summer. There's a long way to go still. But all of you are very young over here. If you knew, if you saw Manhattan, if you lived in Manhattan 21 years ago, you would not have seen a brown face in any of the artistic media. And that didn't mean that our artists weren't there, weren't talented. They were just invisible and unrecognized. Is it safe to say you've done a pretty good job of opening up those doors? <laughs> I think so, because I do believe that the best compliment is copycat. And we started an arts council and included uh, performing visual and literary arts. And after we started this, with all the disciplines, uh, dance uh, groups and theater groups and film groups and art uh, uh, groups started popping up all over the country. And now artists have other platforms. And that's fantastic. I think the, the platforms are incredible. And, uh, you know, us, um, I'm a little bit younger than you and so is everybody on this panel. <laughs> and now we go all over the country and there's, there's events for... Yes. artists to to perform at and showcase their talent uh, and beyond live platforms we also have the digital space yes so with that I think um, Juicy wants to ask Kimanchu a couple of questions regarding that and also his sort of take on on where we sit uh, as a community yeah thanks Sharad so Himanshu you started in this scene by making music in the late 90s and early 2000s eventually owning your own label and furthermore pausing on making music to pursue other avenues within the music space. What are the biggest differences in marketing and reach of Desi music from your early days to today? I mean, that's a good question. I guess that depends on how much as an artist I wanted to market myself as a South Asian artist and what that entails. So uh, there's a delicate balance of exposing your art 
when it entails your South Asian identity to the audiences and to yourself? And what do you want to convey to them? And what are you trying to get out of yourself? And to whom does this appeal? And why does it appeal to them? And so maybe as an artist, my goals were different as a curator and as a uh, somebody at Spotify whose goal is to bring South Asian music um, not just to mainstream non-South Asian audiences, but to South Asian audiences in the global diaspora. Um, but what I've seen as far as changes go, I mean, it, I can only speak on my behalf. When I started as an artist, I wasn't out there marketing myself as a South Asian. I was speaking on racism in America as it pertains to blacks and whites and Latinos and Indians as a whole. Then eventually, uh, once I built that space for myself, I was able to address kind of what my experience as a South Asian was, specifically what my experience as somebody four blocks away from 9-11 when it happened was, and how that affected my life afterwards. So uh, there's, a, there's a delicate balance as a creator of what you think about in marketing and what you think about as a curator or somebody who's at a multinational corporation or a large uh, uh a, a large nonprofit, even. I mean, it depends on who your audience is, is who's giving you the money to market to that audience and what you want to market to that audience. So, I don't know. Both of you mentioned finance, which is really interesting. <laughs> really, really interesting that it all comes down to finance at the end of the day. And we're going to get into that business talk uh, when we hit part two of this podcast for sure, right? Um, Hina. You and Mrs. Shivdasani share a lot of similarities uh, from what I've seen. Um, a lot of your work focuses on Bollywood, dance, um, classical. Um, why that particularly in the, the pushing forward of arts and culture? And a second part to that question is, today you're doing they see now the show that's gonna be right after this and the they see now show which you've told me multiple times is not your world it's a different world where you come from the world of bollywood and classical and everything associated with what most people would know as the south asian arts so why they see now all right so the performing arts space, um, mm -hmm. if we think about the context in which we're gathering today, right, of Lincoln Center being one of the oldest arts institutions in the country, why I started with, uh, why I primarily work with artists that are classical or traditional, or well, have roots in classical or traditional spaces, is because when I got into the field, I was working with musicians that followed under the category of world music, mm -hmm. right? And that category and that term which I hate and a lot of people really really dislike strongly dislike and should not be utilized anymore is a space where there was a need to be able to slot it to where does it come from and was it traditional right because recognize within the performing arts space these are systems that were set up um, infrastructure that is set up around a Eurocentric idea of what art is right ballet, orchestra, and so the field I occupy most of my time in, which is the performing arts space, there's still not a lot of people of color. 
there's very, very few South Asians in that space. And for them, the, you know, what they've seen for the longest time in the mainstream, uh, in the mainstream performing arts, is a classical performance. When they think about India, they think about the dancer with the gungurus on, right? Then when they think about music, they think about the sitar player, they think about the tabla player. So a lot of it is starting with the references people know. And of course, we've had legends like the late Ravi Shankarji or Zakir Husseinji who have just made so many strides to make those art forms known in those spaces. So part of it was circumstance that I, I started with artists that were in the world music space. Um, and then it was also that in the field, the industry that I work in, um, it was a necessary means of connection to make people understand. Because a lot of my work is about meeting institutions, meeting curators where they are, and then taking them on a journey with me, guiding them on a journey to become more representative, for them to understand what it means to South Asian, what it means to, what South Asian arts is, or the multiplicity of it. In fact, um, you know, most often, so often, people don't even know what South Asian is. Right? Or they'll say, oh, East Asian or Southeast Asian. I'm like, no, no, no. Southeast Asia, different part of the world. South Asia, <laughs> like, you know. So sometimes it's even those conversations, or I have an organization or presenter who will be like, I have an Indian community in my backyard, or like, and I want to do work with them. And I'm like, great. That doesn't tell me anything, right? Because there's so much diversity in what Indian is or in the Indian experiences. Um, with regards to they see now and why they see now and sort of pushing outside of where my comfort zone is in terms of the arts I work Extremely with. Extremely uncomfortable for you. Well, yes and no. <laughs> yes, because no, yes, because I haven't worked in programming and curating in that space, right? But I grew up listening to this. My, my childhood was filled with listening to R&B and rap and hip hop, right? So that's, those are the parties I went to growing up and all of that. But then I became a tabla player. Like, I trained as a tabla player. I was a choreographer for Garba and Bollywood. So those were my worlds as creators. But what's amazing is with working with Lincoln Center, their, his, their public programming team, when we started working together several years ago, they came to me because they're like, we want to make sure our public programming, which is free and is supposed to be for the city of New York, is reflective yeah, of that diversity. Yeah, you talked about budget. Free. Freeze the budget today. Well, yes. Well, but when we talk about why, right? Right. Part of it is their why was we need to make our programming reflective of New York. We're going to spend the money and the marketing and the resources to do it. So for me, it was like, okay, great. My work with you then over years is going to be about showcasing the multiplicity of South Asian experiences and arts, right? So if you follow what we're doing over the years, you're going to see that, right? So we did Bollywood in 2017. We did Garba in 2018. Today we're doing the modern South Asian American experience. Next year it's going to be something different and it's about showing that we're not one identity, we're not one art form, one language, one anything. Um, and that's where it comes from. And then it's about, I have a foot in that door, I have this relationship, who else can I bring with me? And so I know this is not my world, that I, I don't inhabit this world on a daily basis, but people like yourself do bring them to the table as well. And let's make sure we do it well. I got to say, we're very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, we do this podcast in a studio downtown. So if you guys look around you, uh, 
the faces here are extremely diverse, wide age range as well. I see a lot of my friends in the back over there. Um, and it's, it's super incredible that this group right here is very representative of what we're gonna see later on tonight. Is everyone coming for the show or are you guys just the early birds? Okay. So when, when Hina mentions this is not my world, I, just, just to kind of give you a little insight as to what's happening later on tonight, um, we're gonna be on the stage right out there and you might end up seeing an Indian kid who looks wild that's gonna be doing some rap music. In my 20 plus years in the business, I think Juicy as well, we never thought that we'd, we'd see uh, an, a rapper who's incredible that happens to be South Asian on the stage at Lincoln Center. So today is, is a very monumental day. And beyond a rapper, we have a ton, ton of great talent that's gonna be uh, on that stage. So I think it's an incredible opportunity. I think Daisy Now is very representative of what the future holds. And uh, I think you're gonna, you can, everyone's gonna be really surprised tonight and have a great time. And we're blending our worlds, right? Remix. You, you do no work and dance. <laughs> so we got dance too, though. That's what I'm saying. Let's not just talk about the music. We got Absolutely. some amazing dancers on their state on that <laughs> stage tonight too. It's all about the rappers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Arun. Yeah. Um, not you, Arun. This Arun. I got it. <laughs> I gotta say something. I'm a little. I'm a little. It's a little weird. I see a bunch of my aunties over here, my mom's friends, <laughs> and like. Arun would fit in that category, and I feel weird calling you Arun. Can I just call you Auntie for the rest of the podcast? Please? And not while I'm on stage. <laughs> Fair enough, okay. After this, though, I'm calling you Auntie. Okay, done. I just feel weird Off not. the panel. Right? Only off the panel. Off the panel. Okay. Yeah. By the way, for the non-Indians, if there are any here, that's a very Indian thing. When you see an older lady or an older gentleman, you automatically say auntie or uncle. Talk about it. Whether they're related or not. Talk about it, auntie. <laughs> oh, man. All right, shifting gears a little bit. Um, Archna, product of culture is part of a very recent and encouraging development of new organizations and initiatives to support South Asian creatives. Why is this time so important? And what future are you building towards? Um, I, uh, I think that, um, I don't know if now is the time, I think there have been this, actually this stage is very indicative of how long we've been trying to have South Asian arts really progress. Um, we were doing it, all of us were doing it before it was a grammable experience. <laughs> before it was cool when, you know, our own South Asian friends would look at us and say, why are you working on this? Like who, you know, why? and I think if you put any of us um, uh, in a room, if you got any of us alone, we could tell you so many horror stories and how many doors have probably closed on us and how many no's we had to take before we found that like quintessential yes. Um, I, I do think though that in terms of what our history has been as South Asians, we've, we've been a, you know, our community has been here for such a long time, but now the diaspora, this generation has become critical mass. And because of all of the ways that we're, we're connected now because of social and things like that, we actually have voices to make change and do good. 
uh, our art is beautiful and every you know vertical of it um, no matter what the interest you have uh, there's just so many ways to have that you know progress and um, uh, really just show support whether you're an artist or you're just a um, you're just someone that you know is an audience member you can show support in so many ways and it's important to use the power and numbers that we have now um, that was the second part of your question. What is your objective with Product of Culture? What are your goals? What are you guys working towards? We uh, Product of Culture is a is is focused towards South Asian creatives. That is our that that's you know that's that's who we want to support. Uh, we're an online curation platform. We're an offline uh, community builder. We see the importance of all of us connecting on digital and. Um, it's such an easy way to share all sorts of great things that we're all doing, but it is extremely important to create relationships in person. You have to be able to um, kind of take it back to basics where uh, the basics, you know, I'm a marketing and branding person, so the basics of marketing is, you know, you build relationships, you meet people in person, you send emails, you, you know, just get out there and try to get as many eyes and ears on your product, whatever it might be, there is a lot of work that needs to be done um, for our space, and we hope to we hope to help that happen. There's two main things I think. There's three things actually. It's extremely important for all of us to build a community, um, but it's also very important for us to have honest conversations about what that means. It's very, um, we are such a beautiful group, and I'm talking about South Asians, we're a beautiful group, but we're extremely diverse. And so it becomes, uh, it's, it's really a, a genuine challenge of how to figure out how to apply what you're doing to every type of South Asian that's there. Um, building that community is very important, but also um, having, the, having our space become professional, like just professionalizing the space. Where very difficult. <laughs> very difficult. Well, I think it's difficult because um, people just aren't really genuinely understanding what they're good at. I think I learned at um, a fairly young age that I wasn't meant to be f at the forefront. I wasn't meant to be the face of things. I was meant to be a facilitator. I understood that about myself. And um, I think in part of this building community and really just getting out of your comfort zone and meeting people, you have to, you can help in so many ways. I, the, as, as PAC, uh, you know, we have intimate conversations with artists all the time and we always ask them, what can we help you with? What do you need? Who can we connect you to? And really like the, the, the general issue for everyone is I need to run my business. That's really it. And um, you know, as an artist, your job is to be an artist. And, but that artist needs legal, marketing, accounting, management. There's so many different facets. And I think it would be so nice if as South Asians, we're such a creative community, we're so smart, and it'd be so nice if people could figure out what are the, the best ways that they could really contribute and really just you know be that support system. It's really beautiful to see representation on TV and media and things like that, but really we have to focus on how did that person get there? There's a lot of muscle behind them, and it's so nice to be that muscle, and it's, it's essential for us growing. Um, sorry, it's a super long. But the third thing that, um, I, uh, that I genuinely believe, which some agree with and some don't, diversity is great, 
but inclusion is way more important. And that, ex that is important for us as a community, for South Asians. Diaspora really puts us in a very like difficult bracket. And if someone has a solution to this, please, please tell us. But diaspora is one thing, but there are immigrants that live here who are in the same age brackets as like the young millennial generation and Gen Z and things like that. But when you say diaspora, you completely segment them out. Um, there are people that live here who are Indian and they happen to live in America that doesn't, they don't qualify as diaspora. So we need to start understanding. There's communities here who, um, you know, we really need to focus on the people that are not just Indian. They come from Bangladesh, Pakistan, things like that. People who have suffered from, whose families have suffered from war and indentured servitude. Uh, there's the LGBTQIA community, women. There's just so many different groups that we have to find inclusion for. And that means literally activating in the things that you're doing and in the simplest of ways. But then also, this is the part where it gets a little dicey for some people, but including non-South Asians. It's really nice to high-five each other and keep you know, that circle going. It's really, it's very sweet, but to get into mainstream, like you need to be able to include other people. And a lot of the challenges that I think that exist right now um, really have to do with the lack of education. And not book smarts, but cultural education. You need to be able, it's extremely important to see that um, representation for that, you know, that brown kid that lives in a town just full of people that don't look like him or her, and um, just seeing that potential of, wow, like I could also do something like this or see that light. But it's extremely important for that, for that white kid to also see a brown person represented and start normalizing that who we are and why we're important. So that inclusion part just exists in so many levels and I think as a community now we can really start putting our foot towards doing that. Can I just jump in there on that? Oh. Arun, you can jump in. Thank you. Actually, speaking to what you were saying, I think it's really, really important to know that we're Indian Americans, that we are Americans and we live here and so many of us have done things that just in mainstream acted in, in, on Broadway, written plays for Broadway, acted in films, written film scripts, done the gamut. And, uh, you know, Vijay Ayer and all play, play jazz, uh, Mahapatra, he plays jazz. They're all in mainstream and they are just, they play in regular venues and they are billed as artists, not necessarily Indian artists or South Asian artists or whatever, they're artists. And that's what we all have to do because, uh, you know, they're Indian Americans who were born here, my children, for example, like my, many of you here, and you. <laughs> but um, the rest of us who came as immigrants are American and lived here. And I think that we have to consider, as you said, that it, it, we're part of a whole, because this country was made of immigrants, and each bunch that came assimilated. So we have to assimilate too. I mean, look around in all the other spheres, the non-artistic spheres, whether it's medicine or academia or, or tech or, or corporations or anything. The Indians are doing very well and they're just one more person in that corporation or whatever. And our 
part of that scene. They're not seen as an Indian when you read about them in the papers or see them on TV or whatever. They don't say Mr. Indian Narab Seman or whatever. They just say Mr. So-and-so and talk about whatever it is they have to give that news about. And we have to be more like that. And the, the rest of the people have to see not how, uh, you know, who do I know that can do this for me, but go to an audition, go and see what else you can do. Nobody's entitled, no one's going to give you anything on a platter, work for it and be passionate about it. I have to say though, that, um, the concept of assimilation, if you just look at everyone sitting here, Arun has done an amazing job. She is a staple in the arts community of New York and the arts community, not South Asian arts, but she became the bridge to so many people to have them understand what South Asian arts are and what the potential is. Um, Himanshu, he's, you know, being, curating for Spotify, you're literally, you know, every part of us, no matter how Indian, you know, you think you are or not or whatever, his eyes, his, the, his, the lenses that he wears, they, it has that South Asian strength. And so when he's curating, for our community, and then curating for all communities. That helps us become a part of the general culture and the mainstream. Both of these gentlemen here, they have, they're just, the work that they do on a daily basis, aside from running this amazing podcast, which is in episode 36, <laughs> they work with multinational, multi-million dollar brands. And they've got these two, you know, giant Indian dudes standing there in front of them, telling them, you know, how to make their events look better. We are the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And then, and honestly, and then Hina, you know, you're sitting in Lincoln Center, listening to a bunch of South Asian people talk about their experiences and things like that. And this is this is how healthy assimilation happens. And that's it's really important to do continue doing this kind of work. And I think there's just so many avenues, the more and more that we keep, you know, uh, progressing ourselves and really just showing up and promoting things that we like and all those kinds of things, it really will help us become more, um, become staples in a lot of arts communities. Uh, can I pick up from there for a second? I like, would love for you to pick up him on you. <laughs> Great. Um, a couple of things he said just like jumped out at me and I really appreciate. And it's like, if we're talking about what it takes to get South Asians to the mainstream, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the senior editor and the global lead of Indian culture at Spotify. I see uh, Netflix making moves, buying South Asian films. I see Amazon doing a great job of buying South Asian films. Netflix putting money into original South Asian creations. Now, when we talk about as a community, like what it takes to get to the mainstream, why do we want to get to the mainstream? What is the mainstream? And is the mainstream accepting us in the way that we want to be accepted? What am I bringing to the mainstream? Classism, communalism, like casteism? Am, am, am I bringing the same North Indian, Punjabi, heteronormative cis stories uh, to, to the West? Is that what I want to do? No. I think uh, Arun's done a great job of bringing us to a point where we have visibility 
visibility. And I think me and a lot of my peers have gotten visibility, whether it's Hassan or Mindy or whether it's uh, uh, Aziz. But what visibility do we want? Do we want Bobby Jindal and Nikki Haley as visibility? At what point do we move beyond seeing? My parents used to call me down from upstairs and say, Himanshi, there's a brown guy on TV. And I used to rush down to see that brown guy on TV. There's five of them now. Now it's, what is the brown guy doing, mom? Like, and I think if we keep on uh, striving for visibility and acceptance from the mainstream, then we're losing sight of what we need to do internally as a community. And it's not about dirty laundry, it's about coming to an internal conclusion of what we want to present before we go to take money from corporations. What is the end goal that Walmart more perfectly targets our community with ads that use our language? Like. What what is the end goal that State Farm, New York Life, and MetLife have ads targeted to us? I don't think that's the end goal. What what is the mainstream for us? Like, yes, I totally agree that we're at a point where we don't need to take roles in that casting room that say Vijay or Amit that can say Tom or Bill. But wouldn't you want Bill to have a moment where he acknowledges that he's brown if he's being played by a brown actor? Like, even just a moment. Like, what, what I'm after isn't just sheer visibility, but visibility of, if, if, look, I'm from Queens, right? When I... Who else is from Queens? Who else has stopped at Queens in their life at some point? <laughs> there we go. They're born there. So, like, there. We're, we're used to talking about uh, diversity as our strength, right? And when I look at the South Asian community, I see diversity as our strength, whether it's South, South, like, whether it's nationality, whether it's gender, whether it's sexuality, whether it's trans identity in South Asian communities that have been far more advanced than in other Western communities, I would say, like, I, well, to a certain extent. Um, I, I, I think, like, how do we present that diversity to people now that we've come to a place where, great, we're in Lincoln Center. Ah, no shots. I was here when I was 17. I did Carnegie Hall a while ago. What, what, they want their token Indian. How do we move beyond that? that? That's what I'm motivated by as an artist, as a curator, and as an activist. I'd like to just say something about that. I think at this stage we've gone a little past being token Indians. Maybe in other parts of the country, but on the two coasts, I think we are recognized, uh, when I say we, I'm talking about the, the greater community. We are recognized, each of us, for our talents, and we are called upon. And um, I remember way back when I used to first, uh, when I first started the IAC, and I used to look at Law and Order, and there was a Hispanic um, cop, and I say, why can't there be an Indian cop over there? I mean, yeah, his name could be Vijay or... Krishna or whatever, but he could be an Indian cop because there are lots of Indians. And if you look at, again, the immigrant group, immigrant groups coming, the Chinese, the, the, the Irish, you know, the various communities coming, they have become part and parcel of the American scene, but yet they are recognized as such. There's a, there's a Hispanic cop, a Chinese cop, an Irish cop, whatever. But they are cops, and they're all in blue, but then they have their names that are separate, and you recognize them. So I think that's fine, being part and parcel of that, and you have to, you have to be that. Now, as far as wanting only a certain type of Indian, as you said, I think you, we mentioned this in the green room too. You, went, you said something about North Indians. But I don't think that's the case. When I've looked around, it's 
across the board, it's not only North Indians that are, that are being uh, showcased. Do you think so? North Indians? Really? I agree with Arun where I see everybody at this I point. I see everybody and I see a lot of South Indian names, a lot of across the board, not only North Indian names. So where, I don't know, maybe we're looking at two different ends of the spectrum. So I, I just want to kind of chime in. Um, earlier in the green room, uh, we talked about, um, you know, I had looked at the group that's up here and I said, wow. Uh, just within us, this is a really diverse group of cultural connectors and cultural creators that all sort of have our own little lane. And uh, it's always great when we can collaborate and our lanes uh, sort of join together or we can move together. Um, at the end of the day, what we're all doing and what we continually do, at least all of us on this um, panel and many of you in this room as well, is we continually create culture and the creation of culture is something that we must continually do and there's no right answer to the creation of culture one of my friends in the back tai zoo always talks about speaking your truth tell your truth and the truth for one of you might be a completely different truth than someone else and that's because of the fact that the person next to you hasn't seen what you've seen right and the person behind you hasn't seen what you've seen. All of us look through very, very different lenses. And ultimately, our idea of mainstream, cultural crossover, bridging the gap, is very, very different. So our conversation earlier, I had said, wow, this is really cool. And uh, Arun, you had said a lot of these conversations start and then they end right when this function might end. So. We can talk about the then. We can talk about what's happening right now. And for everybody, the right now is very, very different right in this room. And then we can talk about the future. But the reality is, if we don't collaborate, if we don't have collaborative efforts, if we don't join together, if we don't work as a team, we don't have a future, period. Us together are extremely strong. And us together hold many, many different, different backgrounds. So from the perspective where Juicy and I come from, Juicy and I are the Butter Chicken Podcast, okay? People ask me, is your, food, is your podcast about food, okay? There's nothing about food except that me and him are a little bit overweight. But besides that, we like butter chicken. And, and when you ask us, well, why is it called butter chicken? Well, butter is an English word and chicken is an English word. And our idea was to tell our stories and one day have people that are not from our community, that haven't seen what we've seen, that don't look through the same lens, be able to be like, oh, that thing on Spotify? Oh, that looks cool, that little chicken over there. Let me listen, let me listen to and find out what it's about. And when they start listening, they get engaged and they learn about our community. But our efforts, and Archie, Archie touched on it a little bit earlier, go far beyond the Indian community go far beyond the South Asian community. And we ensure that we are completely inclusive in our business, in our daily lives, and in everything we do. So all of us here have different perspective. The conversation starts here, but I don't think that the conversation should end here. The conversation should continue. You should look at the people next to you, realize that you're all in this room for a reason, and we should continue having conversation and take that conversation to the next level, just like 
our two companies did today, right, Hina? I mean, we, our two worlds are colliding. You got a bunch of uh, hippity-hop Indians over here on your left interviewing a whole bunch of very, very um, accomplished cultural connectors and cultural creators. So I, I think you guys make up the culture in this room, and we got to continue having these conversations. Bottom line, give yourselves a great big round of applause for being here to, for this occasion. What's up? Oh, is that what those two ten? <laughs> um, what we did want to do uh, is open it up to anybody that might have a question or uh, something directed at um, someone here. Um, before that, I want to point something out, which is why we really do what we do, and Juicy and I do share the sentiment. So our culture is, you know, when we look at culture and we, we continually talk about this word culture, well, what is it? For us, it's, it's music, it's arts, it's food, it's dance, it's religion. Uh, culture needs to be carried on. So the biggest thing and the biggest reason why we do this is for our children. That's why we do it, for the future. And this is the first time my son and daughter have actually come to something live that we've done. And my son is four, he's being very quiet, Sean. Sean is the valley. Naya is somewhere back there as well. She's, yeah. So when we, when we talk about why we do this and we want to push culture forward, it's so that although we love, you know, Juicy and I, we love Jay-Z. Our, our business model is based on Rockefeller, which is Jay-Z's record label. Um, and all the things that they've done, we've built a, we've followed their business model. But when we were growing up, we, we had very few brown faces to look at here in this country and say we admire those guys and want to be like them. And there was a lot of people in hip hop that we just gravitated towards. When Sean grows up, I want him to look at Himanshu and be like, oh, Uncle Heems, he, he made a lot of cool songs and he did a lot of cool things. I want to be like him when I grow up. And that's, that's what we got to keep doing is, is pushing our culture forward and speaking our truth. And documenting it. 100%. Thank you, Shrad. Uncle Heems. Um, we're going to open it up for questions at this point. Um, does anybody have a question, comment, anything they'd like to ask? Yes. Uh, you can come up here and you're going to talk in the mic. State your name and where you're from. All right. My name is Anu and I'm the founder of The Culture Tree. I'm from New York City. Literally like two blocks away is my apartment. Um, so my question, you talked about future and um, my organization basically does cultural literacy for children. Mainstream. Um, South Asians, non-South Asians, and I work through a lot of museums, New York Public Library. So my question is again about future, just uh, building on your uh, last comment. What are you guys doing for children, South Asian children and non-South Asian children in building you know, the whole heritage factor, educating them about South Asia and their heritage and amongst the non-South Asians? Anyone want to take that particularly? Yeah, right now, the thing that I'm doing for children is not having any. Because, <laughs> like, it's like the world that we live in right now, like, right now, like, if I was going to do anything for children, it would be to adopt. And, like, um, I think, like, look, uh, again, with visibility, we're trying to do the right thing. But it, for me, it's all about what that visibility comes with. And... Um, I think just to be in a space like this and to be in the spaces that we're beginning to be in is a good step in the right direction. But yeah, I think we can do a lot more with like children's literature and like like uh, publishing companies. Like 
I mean, I buy my nieces books that are about South, Indian, uh, South Asian culture and religion and doesn't beat them over the head with it, but gives them cute cartoons about Ganesh. And like, I think like how, do, you know, I'm at Spotify now, we're beginning to work with children more and, you know, beginning to like, how do I build a channel that's just Nani Teri Morni like five times in a row and like lullabies for Indian children who are growing up in the US, UK and Canada. So that's a playlist that I might make like as a, as a personal person. Like, I don't think my rap music might be appropriate for children um my six-year-old niece loves when i uh, mention her name in songs but that's like a personal thing but you know i think i think i think it comes with visibility and responsibility of what that visibility comes with that we can pass on to the next generation um i think there's two pieces there's a lot of really great organizations doing a lot of education work for children but i I think it's working on a true prong for me in the work that i'm doing it's that we have all these people that to break down like to open up doors but how are we creating infrastructure and pathways so that they can be whoever they want to be right that they're not the first brown person in the room anymore and that there's more education and knowledge about if they want to pursue a career as an artist um how can they do it and that an artist doesn't mean that you have to become a Bharatanatyam dancer or a Kathak dancer. It, it also can mean that you can be a rapper or anything else, right? So it's their level of teaching them, but then also seeing many, many more examples um, on the space. Um, I just want to add, I, Anu, I think you're aware of this, that uh, all the museums here have wonderful children's programs, whether the, and the, the Whitney at the moment, I know that my daughter Misha took her little ones, five-year-old, three-year-old, and one-and-a-half-year-old, to the Whitney, and they had an amazing children's program where they, the, the docent first lets them go wild in a room and create, and then takes them around. And there are many such programs. As far as purely Indian programs and learning um, Indian artistic disciplines, there are many schools, and I can give you names if you want, that teach dance, music, theater, etc. to little children, and do na- uh, there are narrators who tell you stories. So there's a lot happening. And Ramnik is sitting here from DAG. Uh, they've got a, a show coming up, Madhvi Parik, and they're going to do a children's workshop over there and then a walk through with the artists. So there's a lot of stuff happening. One has to just discover it. So um, specifically to your point, uh, Arun and I are big on the kids. And if there's something that can be done on a collaborative effort. We do, ton- we do so much stuff with kids. Every, even yesterday we did something with kids um, through our, our, our corporate work. We do a lot of work with footwear brands and in hip hop and we, we get big checks to make sure that we're giving back to community. And that's a whole separate side of our business which I don't even want to get into now. But specifically within the South Asian community and outside communities as well, I'm, I'm a big believer in collaborative effort. So if there's programming or if there, there are things that we can get involved in as a community, again, the conversation is supposed to start here. At the end of this, your phone number better be with one of my, my people and then we all figure it out and we connect and we email and we actually keep following up and, and figure it out because I think collaborative efforts and, and joint efforts to, to get things done are, are just the way to do it now. One more question. Anybody? I'll just quickly, just to say, like, if we're comfortable in our own skin, that'll carry through to the next generation. 100%. So it comes with that, that, that responsibility and power to be comfortable in our own skin first. Anybody else have any? Yes, you. Go ahead. You. <laughs> uh, my name is Anumeha. Um, I had a question about the 
business side of it, I know we mentioned how so much of being an artist comes down to managing how you operate and run. I'm curious to get a pulse on sort of when you guys work with institutions, are you starting to see South Asian faces as like the gatekeepers of those places or not just yet? Yes. Okay. I mean, look at the Met. They've got Navina Haider. They've got Shane looking after all the South Asian part. They've got at uh, MoMA, they've got Indians. They've got, you name the museums, they've got gatekeepers who are Indians who are joining and doing uh, curatorial work. They're doing all sorts of work over there. There are many, and, they, and they're also showing Indian artists at uh, Met Brower. There's, uh, what's her name, Mukherjee. Mrinalini Mukherjee, who's got uh, an amazing show. So, yeah, they're all over the place now. Similarly, just similarly at, at places where we're involved in, at big brands, footwear brands, retail, um, music labels, um, um, DSPs, all of those places do have South Asians. But again, those gatekeepers shouldn't be your friends that allow you in to the game. You actually have to have great work. You have to be, you have to yeah. be great at what you do. So. Yes. Yes, our South Asian friends are everywhere at this point. We need to leverage our work, not our community. And, but still, more can be done. Like, in the performing arts, I think there needs to, like, most people, when they think about being a musician or a dancer, um, they're thinking about being the artist. And the people behind the scenes, the arts administrators and stuff, like, even if you look at arts admin programs, you won't find ACs in those programs. So there is a space that even thinking about careers in terms of behind the scenes in the arts, um, I think that more awareness is needed around, around that and that there's, there are careers here. That was, that was like, a, we're that, beginning to pop up now increasingly, but like it, the onus is on us to represent a whole culture in a, in, a, in a landscape where things are still in consideration like corporate money and whether that's nonprofits that are successful, whether that's art institutions or whether that's multinational corporations, the fight doesn't start with a hire. The fight starts with like what you want to take upon yourself to do at that, at that institution. And so what I would say for the next generation of people is that they have a little bit of the benefit of like people like us that can open certain doors for them, but like it, it's 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 increasingly on them to increase representation because it can't be one person at each corporation that's the token brown tastemaker or gatekeeper. And like we don't want to be that gatekeeper. We want more people around us to build a community at these institutions. And I can say not just for me, but artist friends 10, 20 years older than me, you, you want to create your art in a bubble, but you're always is going to have to create it with these considerations in mind of who is the audience, who is buying it, and who is the multinational corporation that we're making this for the awareness of. And like that is a difficult thing. But like it, again, it comes down to, yeah, we want to raise our kids in an environment where South Asians are more visible, but what kind of visibility? Like I don't want my South Asian kids to, to, to grow up in an environment where their visibility is reduced. Well, it's good because you're not having kids, him. <laughs> so that's good. Um, we'll end with Archie and then I'll just close out. Um, I think these are all very valid points. There is representation, there is more room, and there are now, like, the businesses are kind of morphing to um, uh, kind of include us more. But that's the biggest thing. I think the hope in it is that with all of, like, the brand work I've done for so many years, people are so much more open to have the conversation now. Even if there are no brown faces around them or they're willing to at least listen. And uh, that, I think, is a huge win for us. And that is how we should progress forward, is just keep knocking on doors. And I had said this earlier, there's so many no's that all of us have gotten. 
and that Every day. one that one yes is huge and so I've definitely seen I think we probably can all agree that it, they're much more open to listening now so the work continues this is the butter chicken podcast at the Lincoln Center out of doors this is our what second live podcast you see second live one, second yeah. live podcast you guys have been an incredible audience give yourselves a big Thank round you of so applause. much Make some noise if you're coming to the show after, okay? Don't forget to follow us at Butter Chicken Podcast. Everybody take out your phone right now, please. <laughs> we need to increase our followers. Oh, I forgot. Hold on. Take out your, po- take out your phones. We're going to follow two Instagram accounts right now. First is... Go ahead. Desi Now Show. Say it again. At Desi Now Show. Desi Now Show. That's why you're here today. We're at Lincoln Center Out of Doors for Desi Now Show. And of course, the Butter Chicken Podcast. We are the Butter Chicken Boys. I'm your boy, DJ Sharad. And DJ Juicy. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to our panelists here today. How about a nice round of applause for them? We're gonna put we're gonna put uh, you two on one one podcast together. It's <laughs> gonna be a great podcast. Thank you, everybody. Get, Get home safe if you're not coming, and if you're coming to the show, we'll see you there.